Baxter Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is a little different. You're hearing my voice. This is Josh, and Baxter and I got to interview Christian Williams from Archery Strong. He's got a degree in exercise science. He spent five years at a sports injury and performance clinic, was a former CrossFit coach, Olympic lifting coach, and he's the founder of Archery Strong. Archery Strong's mission is to relieve shoulder pain, prevent injury, improve performance, build strength, and I actually did the injury prevention program uh, three days after I bought my bow, since I shot so much my shoulder hurt and I couldn't shoot anymore. And it's been almost a year now, and I have no pain in my shoulder. I've increased my poundage from 47 all the way up to 56 now with no pain. And you can find him at archery-strong.com or archery.strong on Instagram. And for all our show notes, go to baxterbowman.com. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with our guest, Christian Williams. Oh man, um, this is, so this is our first time interviewing a guest. I don't even know how to start off, but maybe we just start <laughs> off that way. Uh, welcome Christian Williams from Archery Strong to the uh, Baxter Bowman podcast. It's an honor to have you. It's trippy to hear your voice because I've heard so many episodes of you on other podcasts, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's just just me, you know, nothing, nothing too <laughs> special. But yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh, like I told you guys before we started here just a second ago, I love talking anything archery, anything bow hunting. Um, and, uh, especially with, with podcast hosts, um, that are nice to talk to. And I, I just, just jumped on the, the call with these guys and, uh, you know, smiling faces and, and good personalities. So I can already <laughs> tell it'll be a good conversation. So. We're going to have fun. That's for sure. <laughs> cool. Cool. So Christian, first question I got for you is what is it about groundhog hunting that you like so much? <laughs> Oh man, you opened a can of worms. Man. <laughs> um, what is what is it that I like so much? I would say the the first thing that popped into my mind, and that's often a good place to start or go, is the plentiful or abundant shot opportunities. And what I mean by that is, I think um, you know Josh and Bass, Baxter, you guys were just talking about you know going on an elk hunt. Um, I love the whitetail hunt. I do some turkey hunting as well. Have gone elk hunting. Um, but in those, in those pursuits, uh, a lot of times it's that one shot opportunity, right. That you're looking for that, that one chance, that one moment, if you're lucky, maybe you get a couple throughout the season, um, or the hunting trip, but on my best nights ever with a bow with, for groundhog hunting, uh, a, a, a couple of times my, my record in one night is seven groundhogs confirmed um, killed with a bow. Uh, and, and I'm sure I missed on those nights a couple of times as well. So, um, you know, I love it because it's such great practice. And, you know, I would say the same thing as like hunting doe, hunting doe with a bow, uh, for whitetail season. But, um, with groundhogs, there's just so many, sh- there's, there can be a lot of shot opportunities. Um, not always, but there, there can be, and that just makes for great practice. Um, great, um, great exposure to that pressure of having a real target, a real animal in front of you. Um, and not only is it good practice, but man, it's just fun. It's, it's just fun. You know, we, 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 I like hunting for, I like bow hunting in general for the pursuit, uh, and the challenge of it, but I also like it for that, that moment where I've got to execute and where I'm actually 
about to reach that end conclusion of the hunt, right? Which is releasing a, an accurate, ethical, effective arrow. And you get to do that a lot of times when you groundhog hunt with a bow. So um, I do it exclusively with a bow who, who, uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with my my ex- escapades with with uh, with that. But yeah, so that's one of the most fun things. But I could go on and on, but I would say that's one of the top reasons. Yeah, and it probably makes gives you gets you some brownie points with the neighbors too, huh? Yeah, with farmers in particular, I was um, just on Saturday, Saturday night. I had a, a guy message me on Instagram, and he was asking about it. And he said, "Hey, I see that you like to hunt groundhogs with a bow a lot. I imagine that helps you get permission on uh, on the on the farms and properties for other animals." I said, "Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, farmers and landowners are much more likely to give you permission for groundhogs than they are other animals." Uh, and to me personally, the magic of getting permission on private land is, uh, the way I phrase it is, is to be known. Um, you know, I I just think about, you know, if, uh, if someone knocked on your door and asked, asked if, if they could stay for dinner because they were hungry, right. You'd be a lot more likely to do, do that for somebody that you feel like, you know, uh, and you feel like you know what they're about. Um, and same thing on being, same thing with being on somebody's land is, uh, if you're around and they get exposure to you and they get to, to know you a little bit, learn, learn you a little bit. Um, and then I often try to give back to farmers, whether that's, um, I've built hay, I've picked up trash, I've done some different things. And, uh, and once they get to know you and you establish a friendship and a relationship and two way, two way relationship, um, the, the, like you said, the, uh, landowners, the neighbors really become uh, fond of you and, um, just grows from there so yeah that's that's a big perk for sure yeah i can't i can't think of better practice than to actually just shoot an arrow at a live animal i haven't done it yet and i'm going on my first elk hunt but looking back on it maybe if i could have gone small game hunting or something like that it would have been given me more confidence to be able to pull off that shot with that pressure like you were saying yeah where where are you from josh where are you at where you uh bay area in california (laughs) okay okay yeah i know I know you guys don't have groundhogs out there. I know in some Western or in some parts of the the West, um, there are prairie dogs. Um, and I, I've seen people hunt them as well with a bow. I think jackrabbits, I've seen people hunt, hunt them as well, but nonetheless, yeah, any small game, um, is a challenge is a lot of fun because there are normally more shot opportunities than big game. Um, there's also, a lot of times more hunting opportunities in general, just like I was saying, it's easier to get permission for when I'm doing that on private ground. Um, and it's, it's hard too. Uh, I always tell people that a groundhog's eyes are almost as good as a turkey's eyes. So anybody listening, um, if you hunt turkeys, you know, just how incredible their eyes are. Um, turkeys are, I think comparable. I've never hunted them, but from what I've heard, turkeys are comparable to pronghorn. So groundhogs are just a step below them. Uh, I routinely get picked off from 200 yards by groundhogs. You know, I'll pop up over the crest of a hayfield and there'll be a groundhog 200 yards on the other side of the the drainage ditch in another hayfield. And he's going back to his hole, even being 200 yards away. Um, So not only is it hard to get close to him, but they are quicker than than you'd ever believe. Uh, I routinely have groundhogs duck duck arrows at, at 20 yards. Um, just like, you know, we see whitetail or pronghorn do that. Uh, groundhogs will do that as well. They'll, they'll have just their head sticking up out of the hole and, 
I'll release an arrow and they're back down that hole before that, that arrow smacks into the side of their hole. So, um, hard to hit, hard to get close to, um, definitely a challenge, but that's, that's the fun of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tiny target. Um, yeah. yeah. The next question I have for you is just want to dig in a little bit on your background. I know you have a degree in exercise science, but when did that, when did exercise science become an interest to you? Like, did you play sports growing up? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, no. Um, well, I mean, I guess if you, you dig way back and it's funny, you ask that question. Cause I just told it was telling a friend about this. Um, we were taught, we were, we were on the subject of, um, you know, obviously life can be tough sometimes. And we were talking about how fail- failures can lead you to good things. And I trace it all the way back. And I'll, just one day I was thinking about it. I was like, how the heck did I get to be where I am now? And I traced it all the way back to sixth grade. I remember in sixth grade, we had physical fitness tests in gym class back when they did that. I don't think they do that anymore, unfortunately. But they had physical fitness tests. And as a guy, um, you had to see how many pull-ups you could do. And I remember I, I could not do any pull-ups in sixth grade. And I remember there was a girl named Nicole. And she, I think she repped out eight pull-ups. And I remembered, I, I was embarrassed, man. I was, I was embarrassed. I couldn't do any pull-ups, being sixth grade. Um, I was playing football, I think, at the time. So when I failed at that, I asked my dad. I went home. Uh, and asked my dad to get me a pair of dumbbells. So I remember we went to the, the nearby, nearby uh, sporting goods store, bought me a pair of dumbbells. Um, I started lifting weights, got stronger, and I just really took a liking to, to lifting and, and fitness and physical training. And that it would have been two or three years after that, my parents got divorced and that was a hard experience. And I remember, um, lifting weights in my basement was my escape. I'd come home and, um, have a good meal, come home from school and go down to my basement and just kind of hide for like two hours, just lifting weights and, um, trying to get stronger and fitter. Uh, and I carried that on through high school. Um, I eventually in at the end of my sophomore year before junior year of high school, I think it was, I found CrossFit um, and did really well with that. I started competing with that. I love that. Um, as I started to do better in CrossFit, I, I was at a CrossFit competition and I met, uh, or there, at this CrossFit competition I was competing at, there was a sports injury booth. Uh, a guy was there uh, from his sports injury practice uh, working on working on the athletes, you know, and you get you know, have a strain or something be sore or something to flare up on you. Um, he was working on athletes. And I remember I went and went and saw him because my back was bothering me and just got to talking. And um, that was the end of that. But a couple, maybe a couple of weeks or months after that, um, this guy was asking around about me. Um, and someone had told him I was in school for exercise science. Long story short, he brought me on to his sports injury clinic and that is really where um, everything I know and, and, and am able to do with Archie Strong really boomed. Um, and that, that was at the sports injury clinic called Next Level Spine and Sports Injury Center. Um, I worked there for, I believe it was almost five years. Um, at that, my time there, I was a 
title was movement and corrective exercise specialist. And my job was to assess whether that be shoulders, backs, knees, hips, whatever it might be, full body assessments, but do an assessment to isolate, isolate deficiencies or uh, flaws in the body's function, identify what kind of flaw or deficiency that was, and then to prescribe or give corrective exercises that are designed to address and fix the issue, the specific issue that we found uh, in the assessment. Uh, so I did that in general population people, some different types of athletes, a couple bow hunters here and there. Uh, and with how much I love, love archery and as I gained experience doing that, it just popped into my head one day um, that I thought that might be useful for some people and that some people could be, could benefit from that. So that was probably two and a half, three years ago. Um, two years ago in August, or I guess, yeah, two and a half, three years ago, I got the idea. I kind of dwelled on it for a while, thought about it for a while. Um, I remember I was in October, uh, it would have been October, 2018. No, 2017, maybe. I was in a tree stand on my favorite farm in the world here in, in Mars, PA, the little 60 acre farm that I had grown up working on, had my first job on and, um, and started bow hunting and was in the stand, beautiful October night, deer pouring out of an old Christmas tree farm into the horse pasture I was hunting over. Uh, couldn't have been more perfect. Doe are feeding, come, one comes to within 34 yards. I ranged her at. Um, big mature doe, let an arrow go, uh, low heart shot. She ran 60 yards and crashed. And I just remember calling my dad being so excited. Just one of those picture perfect nights as a bow hunter. And I was like, man, these nights are so awesome. These experiences are so awesome. I never want to, I never want an archer to miss uh, a night like this or an experience like this. And that was that, at that moment. I remember I was like, I got to start this, this start to start this business or just take this idea to the next, next step. Um, like eight months after that, it would have been August, 10 months after that. Um, I launched Archie strong and that was two years ago. It's hard to believe already. It's crazy. Um, that was two years ago. And here I am today, uh, just over two years with archery strong. And that's the story you asked, you asked yeah. for the lineage and there it is. So good, man. That's, uh, that's amazing. I think there's not many people in, in the archery world that have, have the background you do. You actually know what you're talking about. You've done it in a professional setting and you're, you're now solely focused on archery. So it's such a cool, you know, Josh and I were both so excited to have you on here to talk about that. Um, Thank you. Thank that's you. a really cool thing. And we're, we're both pretty passionate about starting, you know, we work in tech on startups and whatever that's worth right but uh, and then this you know, we're starting to start this thing a bit too but really inspiring to hear someone that's just like hey i'm gonna go out and, and do this thing um you know whatever reason that is you gotta have your why right your your experiences your family helping others yeah but uh, it's quite yeah. a leap what what was the hardest part of that whole thing as far as starting this yeah like what was were there things you look back on you're like that was the that was the moment or the the thing that i had to deal with you know truthfully it was it was everything that led up to being able to do this. Uh, and what I mean by that is, um, so I worked at that sports injury. I worked at that sports injury job, uh, for like five years, as I had mentioned. And, um, it was, you know, it's funny if you would ask me before, if you would ask me going into college, going into exercise science, what would be your ideal job out of college? 
mm-hmm. that, w- that would have been exactly it. Um, but I got into it and, um, and worked there for a while and learned some awesome stuff. I could never do archery strong without that, that, that practical experience and that, that, um, learning those tools and, and skill sets that I did there. Um, but the job itself, um, I just, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Uh, I knew, I knew after a couple of years, it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. Um, and I think, you know, there were a couple of reasons, but I think that, I think part of it was, part of it was the relationships. I worked with a lot of patients and it was kind of like a revolving door and I wasn't able to really establish relationships. Uh, it was kind of get it, bring them in, work, work for, work with them for a couple appointments and then, uh, and then send them on their way. Cause we got them better, which is great. But the relationships weren't there. The second thing was that, you know, I would say half the people were, were really motivated to get better and the other half weren't. And that's a really disheartening thing when you're trying to teach, teach somebody and guide somebody and encourage somebody, um, yeah. with the tools they need to need to be doing. Um, and, and they're not interested in doing them now, now with archery strong is, um, you know, I don't force anybody into the stuff I do. It's, uh, it's not something I tell everybody they need to do. I'm not interested in, 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 um, you know, forcing somebody into this stuff. Uh, and I don't, um, so the, the people I work with now, um, are really motivated to get better and that's awesome. But at pertaining to your question, um, yeah, there were, there were a lot of long work days in the office, um, that even before I had started Archer Strong, even thought about Archer Strong, I thought, is this what I want to be doing? Is this really where I want to be? Is this, um, is this something, is this, is this worth it? What am I going to do? I, you know, just all those questions. And that's, I think part of being young, you know, I've only been young once I'm still am young, but I, I imagine, and I think from talking to other people and seeing my friends, um, a lot of people, you know, when they're young, they don't know what they want to do. They don't know if this is the right thing. That's the right thing. And, um, and I think part of that was normal in being young, but, but there were certainly a lot of frustrating, frustrating nights, you know, disheartening nights, you know, working super late and driving home and being distressed and calling my, my now wife. And, um, but you know, just like I told you, it's funny, you know, I circle back to that story of how I couldn't do any pull-ups in sixth grade, right? When, when something sucks, a lot of times it pushes you in the direction you're supposed to go. Couldn't do any pull-ups. So I started lifting weights. I, um, wasn't thrilled with, with where I was at for work, but it was that sacrifice. And it was that time that enabled me and equipped me to be able to do something like archery strong, um, and to be, be motivated to move, move into something different. So, um, I would say that was the hardest part, you know, starting, you know, I, I love what I do with archery strong. Um, 95% of the time I have a hard time stop work, stopping working. And, and I love what I do. So um, cool. so most of it hasn't been hard in the sense that I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. Um, <laughs> some of the content development and, and the hours of programming and um, writing training and, and back-to-back-to-back assessments, that stuff can get long. But, I mean, truthfully, uh, it's all been awesome. It's, it's, all, it's all part of the, the joy of what comes with owning your own thing and pursuing what you like and helping people. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. 
That is super cool. And uh, so I heard about you actually through your Instagram. Um, I have a friend who sent it to me and I started following you and checking it out. And then I bought a bow back in November. And it's funny you mentioned that pain can often lead people to go a certain path. And that's what happened to me. I bought my bow and pretty typical. I got super excited and shot a ton of arrows. And by the third day, I had shoulder pain. I, I it was yep. bad. And then I went and bought your injury prevention program, the shoulder pain program. I did I barely missed a couple workouts, stayed pretty consistent with it, and took a about a, a week or a 10 day break while I was doing those exercises. And then I went back and shot and the pain was all gone. Um, awesome. which was super cool. Awesome. But um yeah, what awesome. is it about like the shoulder and archery that fascinates you so much in terms of helping people with that? that part of their body? Well, um, the shoulder is the shoulders, I should say plural are the powerhouses of archery. Um, I, you know, you look out out into the archery world and you kind of see the different, the different realms in the different expertises. Uh, and I mean, you know, there's, there's guys that are really well informed and educated on gear, right? Um, then you have guys who are really, really educated on arrows and tuning. And then you have actually, you know, archery coaches and bow technicians and, and just guys who are strictly focused on hunting, bow hunting itself and and hunting itself. Um, and you know, it just comes from my background, uh, and all the experience of experiences I've had with sports injury and sports performance. It all deals with the human body. And I've just been fascinated by, the human body behind the bow, meaning that the bow itself is a machine, but you have a machine that's running the machine, right? You have a machine that's running the bow and the, the, the human is the machine that's running the bow. And it's, it's very easy to get, get so focused on the arrow and get so focused on uh, the tuning of your, of your bow and the type of sight, and the, the, the release aid and all these different things. Um, and that stuff's great and important. Um, but I've really enjoyed looking at what can I do, um, myself. And, um, not too long ago, I started shooting a recurve and that even further opened my eyes about how important, how important that, that person and human is behind the bow. Um, you know, I don't know if, if either of you guys have shot a recurve and have any experience with it, but, um, you know, in, in my experience, you, I can shoot a $150 recurve just as well as I can shoot uh, a $700 recurve. Um, it, the, the equipment becomes a lot less important there um, in my eyes and, and the person and their ability to execute a shot and execute consistently and do all the things they need to do through their body. Um, yeah. So important. And and so that that's what's fascinated me, you know, just my experiences having been what they've been, where my, my expertises lie, so to speak, um, you know, what those are focused on. And, um, like I said, the shoulders are the powerhouse of the bow. And with my ultimate motivation being, um, that I want everybody to, to be able to enjoy archery, uh, without the issue of shoulder pain or shoulder issues or, or lack of performance from their shoulders. Um, that's just where, where I've really settled. And, if you look at all, pretty much all other sports now, uh, within the past decade or two, all of them are really starting to take this sports science approach mm-hmm. uh, or, or human performance pro- pro- approach. You know, for instance, golf is a huge one. Baseball 
is a huge one with, with elite level pitchers and, and hitting and, and golf with the golf swing and, um, and, you know, soccer and, and all these different things where they're really, Hey, it's not like back in, uh, you know, Babe Ruth's day or, or like, you know, Jack Nicholas day where it's just like, yeah, this is how you do it. You know, you just, you, you set your feet like this and you swing the bat like this. It's, it's become very, very in depth. Uh, and I feel like that is really, really missing in archery, uh, and hasn't been uncovered yet. So my goal is, is for, um, people to be exposed to some of that information, some of that, that knowledge and to, to take it for what it's worth to them. Um, I never, ever, ever, ever make the claim that you have to do anything pertaining to the human body to, to mm -hmm. shoot, shoot a bow well, uh, because it's not true. Um, there are plenty of guys out there that shoot a bow phenomenally well, um, that have never touched a weight, have never done anything of that sort. Uh, and they shoot really well and, you know, and, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I believe that if you can, you can train the body and maximize the body, it's only going to help. Um, there, there is no downside to having stronger shoulder blades and a more stable rotator cuff. Um, there, there's no downsides there. So, um, in, in my mind, I think it can only help and, and would, would it help those guys even more? Could they shoot even better? Possibly. Um, but, but again, my goal is just to have the information off of the tools and, um, and do my part where, where my expertise lies, you know, you'll, you'll never see me, you know, venture over into the, the gear side of arrow tuning and, you know, broadhead flight and all that stuff. That's just, yeah. that's, that's not me. And, um, yeah, but, uh, that's where everybody falls and can help each other learn, learn, yeah. and grow. That's so cool. You definitely, uh, you, you know what you're good at and you know what you've been doing. It's a fun, uh, it's cool to see, right? It's a, a definitely a lot of passion in the stuff you're doing. And I, mean, I think what you're saying resonates a ton uh, with me when I first got into archery, what was it? Six years ago now, something like that. Um, five years, I forget, but it was, I just remember in all these sports and part of the, the theme of what we've been doing with me mentoring Josh, I always look for mentors. I'm looking up to different guys. And I just distinctly remember seeing all these guys that were 50, 60, kind of the first crop of real bow hunters, right? They're not super old yet. Right. Um, and they're all, all pulling 52, you know, 48, 55. Cause oh, I had shoulder problems. I had right. shoulder problems. Right. right. I, I mean, it was right. like two out of three guys that said that to me. And I just distinctly remember going, Oh crud, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is dangerous. And so I, I was fortunate enough to, to get that from folks. Um, and I still struggled a bit with shoulder stuff cause I actually broke a scapula biking, believe it or not. Okay. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But I distinctly remember that's, it's really easy to fall in that trap of people telling you you need to pull X and you go do it and you get injured. <laughs> what, uh, yeah. what, what do you think are the most common injuries or make mistakes people make right out of the bat? Right off the bat, I should say. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's two, and I'd say they're more, the more general causes of injury. Uh, and the number, the, the, the number one cause uh, by and large is that there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of archery coaches out there uh, that try to conform everybody to one style of movement or one, one style of shooting, meaning, hey, your, your bow arm has to be this way and your draw has to be like this. Interesting. 
I honest for the past couple of months with archer season heating up, it, it truly has been every single week. I get somebody who schedules an assessment and says, Hey, I was shooting good. I was doing well, no problems. Then I watch this video or I try to mimic this guy or I try to copy what that guy said. And now I'm having pain. Um, and you will talk to any, you'll talk to any strength coach in the nation. You'll talk to any, you will talk to any, um, um, sports performance coach, anybody in that realm, when it comes to human movement, when it comes to physical exertion, whether that be with and with different movement patterns of the body, we'll take the squat, for instance. You talk, you talk to any of these these people, um, and they they will all acknowledge that. Hey, we're going to see different with. We're again, if we're just putting it in terms of a squat, a body weight squat, or a back squat say, Hey, you know, hip structures vary. Ankle mobility varies. So ankle mobility is going to change the amount of bend we're going to see at the hip and the knee rotational capacities in the hip vary. So that's going to change what we're going to see in foot positioning and, uh, the width of the knees. So we're accounting for these differences and we want to find for this athlete, whether it's a volleyball player, football player, baseball player, basketball player, whatever it may be, we want to find the best position for them based on how they move based on the feedback we get from their movement patterns. Um, you, you won't see, you won't see a strength coach try to slam every single one of his lifters into one position because structure and function varies between me, between Baxter and between Josh and anybody else who's listening. And the reason why I paint that long example is because the same thing occurs in archery is that we have a general blueprint on what things will most likely and should look like but we have to be willing to deviate from that based on that individual's shoulder function how much range of motion flexibility um, stability etc that they have uh, based on their shoulder structure which we can't see without imaging but we can we can do different tests and assessments to tell us where they have the smoothest, uh, most comfortable range of motion, where they get blocked and where they become uncomfortable from bony structures and bony variations in the joint. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see functional differences. We see structural differences and how that shoulder is actually uh, was created. The way I describe it is uh, most compound bows look pretty similar, right? But they have slight variations. You can't put the same strings and cables on every single compound because cams vary, limbs, limb designs vary, axle to axle varies, brace height varies, all these different things vary. That's the structure of the bow, the things that I just uh, d- discussed or explained. That's the structure of the bow. The structure of the bow affects how it functions. We see different cam lanes. We see different cable angles. We see different cable slides and rollers and all these different things. Right. Um, so we don't expect all of those bows to look or to, to function the exact same way. They function similarly, but not the exact same, uh, because their structure and their function very same thing with the shoulder. So, uh, bringing this back around, um, because of those different slight differences in each person's, each person's shoulder, I see the most amount of injuries when somebody changes something, uh, and basically just finds a movement pattern that doesn't work for them. 
mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. And the biggest issue is a result or comes from someone who is unwilling to deviate out of that movement pattern that doesn't work for them. I can right now stand up from my computer that I'm talking to you guys at and I can set set my feet in a position and I can squat in a position that will irritate my knee over time as I accumulate reps. Mm-hmm. Same thing with my draw. I can draw pain. I can draw. I could truly, and certainly I'm not, not bragging by any means, but I'm just painting a picture. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my compound bow right now. Uh, I can pick that up and I could go shoot 300 arrows uh, a certain way and I'd be totally fine tomorrow. Uh, I could also That's shoot awesome. 300. I could also draw a different way and I could have pain tomorrow after about a dozen or two dozen arrows. Um, and people immediately want to go to the idea that it's, um, well, you're drawing too much weight or, well, you're, you're, you're some, you're just still doing something incorrectly where, um, the issue really lies is that, um, again, we have a specific structure and function in our bodies and, some movements work well for that structure and function and others don't. And you cannot outdo bone. Meaning if your bone tells you if the structure of your bone and your shoulder joint tells you, you can't do something, you can't do that thing. Um, it doesn't matter how much you stretch or how much you get coached or anything like that. So it's a matter of working within the movement pattern that works for you. And a lot of times what I, half of the fix when someone comes to me with an issue and I identify that a lot of it was caused by a change they made Half of the fix is is me problem sh- uh, troubleshooting rather rather and problem solving through okay what was the change you made how can we reverse that change how can we find a pain free position or range of motion that works for you mm-hmm. um, before I got on this call I had a client send me a video and said hey I found this video on the bow shoulder uh, what do you think and I haven't responded to it yet but I watched it and I said well um, I don't I hardly ever believe there's a, this is right. This is wrong. It's most of the time it depends. And, um, that's going to be my response to him is, uh, I, I like this from, from what I saw. I don't really like this. Uh, it may work. It could work for you. We'll have to try it. We'll have to see, we'll have to base it off of your shoulder assessment, what we saw on your shoulder, et cetera, things like that. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's, it's, we have to find what works for you, what, what works for your individual shoulder. So when, when somebody makes a change or is shooting a way that doesn't work for them, um, but particularly making a change to something that doesn't work for them. That's the number. That's the number one reason I see shoulder issues. The second reason um, is simply a lack of capacity. Uh, And what I mean by capacity is your muscles ability. And when I say your muscle, that meaning the different muscles in the shoulder, your muscles ability to handle Mm -hmm. repetitive cumulative stress. We don't shoot just one arrow. Most people can pull back a 60, 70 pound bow once and be okay. We don't just shoot one arrow. Normally we shoot arrow after arrow after arrow. So that repetitive cumulative stress builds up our musculature, our soft tissue, our joint structure, etc., has to be uh, capable and equipped and prepared to handle that repetitive cumulative load and stress. Um, in that, Often that stress, uh, repetitive cumulative stress often overwhelms what the muscles and and tissue and joint structure, et cetera, is is able to handle. Uh, And as soon as you cross cross that threshold at which you're able to handle, you all of a sudden experience pain. Um, 
you know, it's, it's an easy thing to someone gets an archery, right. And they think, Oh, well, you know, I'm just going to start archery. Right. Well, um, I think a lot of times we underestimate the demand of, of drawing and shooting a bow repetitively. Um, and again, if that demand surpasses what we can, our shoulders can handle, um, then, then we run into issues. It's just like, you know, if somebody wants to, uh, if you have somebody who's pretty deconditioned and, uh, sedentary and non-active, right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe has a job in, um, in, in the technology field or something where they're largely sitting, mm-hmm. they don't have any, they don't have any, uh, activities or hobbies that really get them moving a whole lot. Um, and they decide, Hey, I want to pick up running. I want to start running. Well, and they, they start running and they do okay at first, but eventually ankles start to hurt and knees start to hurt and hips start to hurt. And it's, it's not necessarily, not necessarily that they're running wrong or they're even doing anything wrong. It's just that they took a, a body that, um, wasn't readily equipped to handle that repetitive stress of running and the cu- accumulation of running and load and miles. Um, and they they developed pain. Now, if you had mm-hmm. taken that taken that person, and you had eased them into it, and maybe did did a little bit of strength training, and did a little bit of, of corrective exercise for any existing issues, uh, and built them up and, and equipped them for that running, and then eased them into it and sent them off, they would most likely do well and in, in, in not run into many issues. Um, same thing can be can occur with archery and, and Josh kind of. I think it was Josh or maybe it was Baxter. I wasn't sure who was talking up there. It's hard um, times, right? We sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of you guys had said, right, um, you know, I just, I, I picked up my bow and I shot a lot and I had shoulder pain within three days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's likely that, that you weren't even doing anything wrong. It was just a very sudden onset of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's often what I see, see from people. And, um, and, and that's, that's a big, big cause of pain. Certainly is just that, that inability to, handle repetitive cumulative load. And that can happen for a new archer that can happen for an existing archer who just suddenly decides to shoot more or shoots heavier poundage shoots more mm-hmm. often, maybe more arrows. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it a lot around this time of year where people either pick up their bow, um, after not shooting it for a few months or they, um, get excited about the season and they've been shooting a dozen arrows once or twice a week. And now all of a sudden they're shooting 50 arrows four times a week. Um, so yeah, so that, that is an in-depth explanation of the two biggest reasons that, that I see pain is making a change that leads someone down a path that doesn't work for them. Um, or maybe they just get started on a path for one reason or another that doesn't work for them. And then the second thing would be that lack of capacity to be able to handle the stresses of shooting a bow. Yeah. And Christian, uh, if, if you could go back in time to like me, for example, right when I pick up a bow, what do you think are, if you had to pick like one or two exercises or movements that help prevent um, these, these kinds of injuries, what are your favorite, like best bang for your buck, one or two exercises or movements? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, I like that you just asked that because, uh, anybody on here who, um, has Inst- or anybody who's listening who has Instagram or can access Instagram. Um, I just made a post, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, of just a very simple two two uh, exercise circuit that you can do for general shoulder health or maintenance or, 
or a little bit of shoulder stability. Um, so to answer your question, the two exercises would be number one, any really high quality shoulder blade and, and scapular shoulder, uh, shoulder blade pulling work. Um, so anything that squeezes your shoulder blades down and back and pulls those shoulder blades down and back, pinches them together. Um, You'll see in that video I'm talking about from yesterday on Instagram or Facebook, um, there's a band pull apart there, something like that. High quality uh, cable or um, cable or band rowing variations, dumbbell rowing variations, um, straight arm um, shoulder blade work, which is hard to explain without a video or a picture, um, banded scapular work, anything that's strengthening the back, getting those shoulder blades to pull back. Uh, working on the muscles on in your upper back, shoulder blades, backside of your shoulders. That's number one. Number two is I really like um, high quality solid uh, plank variations. Uh, I like that particularly not only for the rotator cuff in both shoulders, but that does a nice job in stabilizing that bow shoulder. Because um, if we think about the bow shoulder, the bow shoulder is resisting force in resisting compression and resisting um, loads that are trying to move that shoulder, push that shoulder. But when you draw and you hold it full draw, that shoulder is largely stable, steady, and, and almost unmoving or should be at least. Um, so a plank variation is a great way outside of shooting to, to tax those mechanics, tax, tax the musculature that holds that shoulder solid and um, is a great way to to resist the compressive forces very similar to the ones we see when we're shooting a bow so high quality pulling scap work shoulder blade work is one and two is high quality um, plank plank variations and if i had to add a third it would be uh, any any sort of weighted carry um, weighted carry such as a farmer's walk where dumbbells are down by your side, uh, kettlebell rack carry where your kettlebells are up under your chin. I love to carry logs and stones and uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, love to do weighted carries. And you say, well, how does that transfer to archery? Um, and the reason or the, the, the way and the reasoning behind that is weighted carries are a great, although non-specific, non a tremendous way to load the rotator cuff, the shoulder blades, the whole musculature of the shoulder girdle, and even down into the, the core and midsection. A great way to load those musculature without stimulating much soreness, without um, imposing a lot of risk on the shoulders and on the um, and on the uh, the smaller structures of the shoulder. Because when when you carry, you're not really doing much movement. Although we can use some pretty good, good sized loads for these carries, you're not, you know, doing rotations with your shoulder. You're not pulling, you're not pushing, you're just holding. And there's a, there's a physiological biomechanical process called irradiation, irradiation. I'm not sure how you say it, but it's, <laughs> it's the idea that if you grab something, if you reach and you pick up your phone or you reach and you grab a door handle to pull, or you pick up uh, your bow or a child or whatever it might be, as soon as you grab something and do something with your hands, it immediately triggers your rotator cuff and your shoulder musculature to turn on because it says, hey, 
we're going to have to do work. If I don't, if I don't turn on, uh, quite literally, it could, we could pull my arms off of my body. If, if you picked up a very heavy load and your shoulders didn't turn on, so to speak, turn on, um, it could, it could pull your shoulders out of how do you off your body. Um, so when you carry heavy loads, it, it really stimulates that shoulder, shoulder musculature to work hard and work well. Again, low risk, low barrier to entry. They're hard to do wrong. They're accessible. And as a final perk, they're a great way. They do a great job of conditioning the elbows. So we, we look at archery and we say, yeah, shoulders are the, the biggest issue. And although shoulders are the biggest issue and the most prevalent issue in archery, you'd be surprised at how many um, messages and requests I get related to elbow pain. Um, and that's a very simple elbow pain is a result of, um, very similar to what I said for the shoulders. Uh, biggest issue for the elbows, just overuse, um, yeah. gr- gripping the release, uh, holding the bow, bow arm and bow elbow in extended position, putting the hand in a position that the bow hand in a position that aggravates the bow elbow, um, yeah. just overuse and it, which accumulates into an irritation. Um, so, if your elbows are used to encountering some, some load, used to gripping things, used to being in awkward positions, used to having tension at that elbow joint, then if we're doing that at, with heavy loads and heavy carries, then drawing a bow and shooting a bow repetitively is nothing. Yeah. Um, relative. Yeah. And like you said, you mentioned other elsewhere in the podcast, I mean, it's, it's all chained together too, right? I mean, if there's anything Absolutely. I've learned in all my injuries is that you get one little thing in your foot, it's going to move up to your shin and over to your you know, yeah, quad exactly. and then up to your hip flexor. And it's just all the way through. So it, it makes sense, right? It's, those are great, great ways to stabilize and, and do that. And we, um, yeah. one of the diatribes I always go on in these podcasts too, is like the bow weight thing. Cause I don't, my wife pulls 42 and I'm a hundred percent confident she could shoot through an elk. And I mean, I think with modern compound bows, like they're just, yeah. I mean, a 60 pound bow is going to do everything you'd ever need. Yes, um, absolutely. Like no question. Right. But yep. Yep. what's, uh, like, what's your way if you got someone new or somebody that's just getting into it, like, how do you walk them through finding their poundage or what you would consider a healthy poundage or their kind of things you look for or ways you, you talk about that? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's two big, two big things that play a role in that for me. Um, and one is subjective measures. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, is asking them, right? And, and talking through, through with them how it feels. Is it a struggle? Is it uncomfortable? Is it painful? Is it stressful? Could you do this 10 times in a row? Um, all those different things, just those subjective measures. Yeah. Uh, and then the other, the other things are objective measures. And there are certain faults that I would look for Mm. for somebody to say, Hey, yeah, that draw looks good. That draw looks proficient or, eh, we're, we might be at the top end here. We might be above your draw weight. Um, as far as what we're, when we're, we're actually visually watching and, and looking and, and assessing that draw with both of those things. If you have the luxury, which not everybody does. Um, I always highly recommend the process of building up Going back to the running example, um, mm-hmm. you know, you don't start by running a half a marathon. Um, there's really no reason to start at a 70 pound bow. Um, yeah. Just you can draw it, right? Um, if you can, you know, be a little bit humble. If you're shooting a compound, start it. If you're and you're a male, 
start at 45 pounds, get really freaking good with your technique, mm-hmm. and then, then add some weight, right? Not that hard to go to a bow shop and say, hey, can you dial this up, recite it in, et cetera. Um, so if you have the luxury and you can, um, I'm definitely going to like to see someone build up and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and start up. And when that happens, it's either happening in one day or it's happening over the course of a week, of a couple of weeks. If yeah. it can happen over the course of a couple of weeks, I'd say, hey, let's start at 45 pounds, get really good, get really smooth, get really strong. And, uh, and after a week or two, we'll, we'll bump it up and we'll go to 55. We'll bump it up. We'll go to 60 or 65. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's in a perfect world. Uh, I didn't do that when I started shooting compound bow. Does everybody need to do that? No, that's a perfect world. Um, if, if I were at a bow shop with somebody and they said, Hey, what poundage should I draw? Well, we'd go through that process just like we talked about, um, you know, start them on a a modest bow, um, see how they do with it. Draw it a couple of times. We're then using those objective measures, how that looks. And then from there we go up and we do the same thing. How's it feel? Subjective measures, look at the objective measures, um, and then go up from there. And then you would, you would establish that. Um, Again, the perfect world, and and um, again, I didn't do it with a compound, but I did it with a recurve. Is is just prioritize, unless you're on, under some time constraint where you have to be shooting a certain pound poundage, um, and you just started archery, which is going to be very unlikely. Um, but most would would be able to build up like that. Yeah. Um, Again, to cap that off, like I was saying, there's those subjective measures that looking at a draw draw weight, uh, and those are again those feelings of how's it feel? Could you shoot it ten times in a row? Is it stressful? Is it is it comfortable? One to ten, how hard is it, et cetera? Those types of things, and then the objective measures. Um, what I'm really looking for in, in in the objective measures when I'm watching somebody or if I were testing somebody, I'm I am more so looking at the torso. Um, the torso will contort and the torso will change to create biomechanical leverage and mechanical advantage to draw that bow if it is too heavy. Most people, and this goes back to what we said with not everybody's going to draw and shoot the same way, but most people, when they see somebody draw on the lower side of the spectrum, meaning the hand draws more you know, neck height or collarbone height, their immediate reaction is to say, oh, well, they're overbowed. Uh, and that can be an indicator, and there's definitely some value there, um, but it is absolutely not a conclusive 100% uh, 100% certain indicator. You will have people draw there because of different um, variations in shoulder structure and shoulder function. Um, so if you just look at somebody and say, well, they're drawing low, they must be too heavy heavy poundage, not a real good indicator because I've had the scenario where I've dropped people back, dropped people way down and draw weight and they draw the exact same way. Hmm. Well, maybe it's not because of the draw weight. Maybe they're drawing that way because um, I've seen it a lot of times where someone will just automatically fall into a certain type of draw style because your body can be very good at guiding you into the movement patterns that are best for you. Just like uh, when you see a child squat, uh, it's not because, uh, somebody told them or gave them a test on, Hey, here's how you have to squat. It's because yeah. their body, body funnels them into a movement pattern. Um, so, um, that's a long conversation as, as far as what, yeah. what's overbowed, what's not overbowed, but nonetheless, um, I look at the body, I look for t- contortions. I like a seated test. 
um, acetid tests to look to see if they can draw and if there are any contortions um, yeah. in the body there as well. Yeah, all great questions for someone to ask. And that's pretty funny because I actually shot my elk sitting, sitting down eating dinner last yeah. year. So it's quite a, yeah. <laughs> like it's a yeah. real, it's a reality too, right? Absolutely. It happens. Absolutely. Um, and it sounds like uh, Josh gets a gold star because we actually, we started him down at, uh, what was it Josh? Like 46, Seven. 47. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's and he's, awesome. he's up to what? High fifties now. 56 six awesome. yeah so he's, he's making his good. way but yeah yeah about to good. Be. very good yeah and then um i want to be respectful of your time here and i got one last question and and it's be, it's really based on the theme of our podcast which is mentorship um yeah. you know nobody goes get somewhere this far like you alone and I'm, I'm curious to know like who are some of the big mentors in your life and what were the things that you learned from them or what mm. did they do well? Mm, mm, mm. Um, you know, certainly, cer- certainly, like uh, a lot of us guys, would cer- certainly have to say the first one would be my dad. Um, he's the one who got me into hunting, um, established an awesome work work ethic. I didn't always love his methods of doing that, but um, I'm I'm so thankful for it. And now sometimes I think I work a little bit too hard. Uh, it, as far as finding a balance in life goes, um, my wife and I talk about that a lot, but nonetheless, um, not so much has to do with archery, but just work ethic and, um, you know, how to conduct myself and how to, how to be a man. Um, I definitely would go to him. Second one would be, um, a good friend of mine. His name's Mike service. He is an Olympic weightlifting coach. Um, he won the, I think it was maybe 2009 USA Open for Olympic weightlifting, if anybody's familiar with Olympic weightlifting. Um, and I used to, I used, I, I guess I could say I used to, but I have coached a lot of Olympic weightlifting myself. I've done a lot of Olympic weightlifting. Um, and he was my coach, <laughs> is what I was getting to. Uh, just great guy. Um, just been a great friend. Uh, he was in my wedding, um, but just great mentor as far as you know, being a man and um, and and doing the things I need to do, and a role model in my faith, and um, just a lot of different areas. He's just just a, a super super guy. And then the last one that pops into my head is um, he was my boss at the sports injury center that I worked at. His name is Doctor Justin Scott. Uh, and he just really took me under my wing and taught me so much. And, um, just as far as professional development, uh, and growth in my career, uh, has just been a, a huge, huge mentor and asset. And, um, you know, I just, I've always been grateful for him for the opportunity he gave me at his sports injury office, because again, without that, I truly don't believe in any shape or form I could do what I'm doing right now, or at least to the effectiveness of what I am. So, those three really pop into my head, you know, funny that I don't, uh, nothing, nothing for archery per se. Um, but those three have, have really played, played a role in my life and, and they certainly have led me to, to where I am today. And, uh, and I think that everything, you know, you see something like archery strong and, you know, it might get a little bit sentimental or whatever you want to call it. But to me, you know, archery strong is not, you know, it's not just about archery and, bow hunting and fixing shoulders, you know, to me, it's been a culmination of, um, uh, of trials and errors and, and failures and, um, and learning and 
hard work and uh, and finding the ultimate purpose for for what we do in life. And that's um, been important to me, you know, to help people and to, to educate and to help others get the most they can out of the life they were given. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Archie Strong. It's worked really well for preventing injury and, and healing my shoulder. But really, I haven't had shoulder pain since then. Um, so awesome, I guess yeah. actual last question is where can people find it? What yeah. is it? And uh, yeah, where's the best place for them to, to say hi? Yeah. Um, archery, archery dot strong on, in, on Instagram. So it's archery. Then there's a period and then strong on Instagram. That's where I'm posting all my content um, right now. Um, that's where I, I talk and connect with the most people. Um We'll have a YouTube in the in the future. Uh, life just has not allowed for that. But yeah, uh, I always encourage people to please reach out uh, on Instagram if they just have any questions at all, want to learn more, know more, understand more. Um, you can also email me at Christian at archery-strong.com. That's also my website, which is archery, and there's a dash sign, strong.com. So that's the website. You can find out more information there. Uh, that's where we, where we have all of our training programs, training packages, assessments, consults, all that good stuff. So um, like, I was, like I said, feel free to reach out. I love talking and, and getting to know people and learning about people. Yeah, so cool. I feel like, uh, oh man, we could ask you 300 more questions, but uh, right, some of those some of those are better on a one-on-one there. So I know Josh has talked me into it and we're, we're real fun to talk to you. So appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me guys. And thanks for anybody who's stayed on listening this long. Um, I appreciate it. And I hope that you learned something. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, it's been awesome. And uh, for those of you who are interested in the programs, um, they're, they're awesome. I really like the app that you use for it. Like, Thank you. It's very simple. You buy it, you get an email, it tells you what to do, you download the app, and then every day it just tells you exactly the exercises to do. There's videos in there and ex- that explain them too, and you can check off each day and super user-friendly. So I really like the ex- and highly recommend the experience. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for your time, Christian. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast, and maybe we'll have to do a round two one day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm up for it. You guys let me know. (laughs) Sounds good. And there you have it. Thanks again for listening to our interview today with Christian Williams, a little bit different. And if you like these kind of interviews in this format, let us know, shoot us an email, send us a review or a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time.